0: This is Chris Wade from the band, the pop band, of course, Dobson and Frog, and uh, you're listening to Stuart Pink, and he's a bloody nice bloke.
1: This is Phoenix FM. Yes, it is. You're listening to Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM, and I'm joined by writer of words, maker of music, and conjurer of laughs. Uh, mentioned just a moment ago in Dispatches, welcome to the show, Chris Wade.
0: Hello, sir. Good afternoon. Good. Or evening, whichever.
1: Afternoon, of course, or evening if you're <laughs> listening back on demand on the website at phoenixfm.com. How are you?
0: Well, I'm very well, dear boy. How are you?
1: Oh, not too bad, not too bad. You're calling us from uh, Luscious Leeds?
0: Luscious Leeds, my friend, yes. It's a lovely rainy day in Leeds, but it's very atmospheric and in- inspirational, I must say.
1: Oh, and good for the worms and yes, plants. Yes,
0: they flowing, the flowing like wine. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Now, as uh, we've just heard, you've written a new story, Raymond's Room, which we'll have a chat about in a minute. But first, I hear your good self and Nigel Planer, our mutual friends now, uh, have been making music together, is that right?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, first um, contacted Nigel about six or seven years ago to um, get him to do some short little monologues on one of my albums a few years back, Dotson and Frog albums, and we met up in London at a studio in Shepherd's Bush. And then we just recorded these two little monologues, and almost immediately he started um, getting in touch about you know song ideas because he's had these songs written from the early 70s uh, under a band called Rainsmoke, but he'd never really done much with them, so yeah. he, sent me, he sent me the lyrics, and we kind of record them, him in London, me in Leeds, and we just kind of both record it at home on his guitars. It's kind of strict and quite like, basic, but it's really fun to do, actually, because he's a really good lyricist. So I think we've done like two... Little singles, you know, just little independently really, on my own label, just for fun. But he's uh, been during lockdown, he's been piecing together the whole album. So some of these songs are from 1969, 1970, 1971 before I was born. But it's great because they've got so unusual. That, you know, it's, it's great lyricist and stuff. So it's oh, wow. He's got hidden talents. Clearly, I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed doing it. Mate. It's been really fun.
1: Discovering a new side to him, he hadn't, uh, or you, oh, you hadn't realised was there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Now I must confess, I've only recently discovered your music, uh, but your your musical uh, alter ego or, or musical project goes by the name of Dodson and Fog. Uh, tell us a bit about the band and what sort of stuff you do. What's your jam? Well,
0: it's that, that started quite a, maybe nine years ago. So I just started recording from home in a home studio and got a few guests in, you know, for the, to do the first album. Like there's a, there's a band called Hawkwind. I got the uh, the guy that was the famous saxophone and flute player with, with Orgham but they were the most cosmic oh wow Nick Turner so you were on the first two and I, I've always I've had different guests like Toya you know the 80s singer Toya
1: yeah Toya Wilcox so, so she's well. been on it
0: once well she actually got a co-write because we wrote she added an extra verse to the song so that on PRS there's Chris Wade and Toya Wilcox which is really surreal oh wow then, uh, so there's been a few guests. You know, Nigel's been on it, doing backing vocals, bits and bit and of narration, and all kinds of things. So it's it's been something that's grown, and you know, it's got like a bit of a cult following, which means not very popular, but uh, <laughs> popular enough to be to, for it to be registered as an existing band. Now, yeah, joking aside, there's there's kind of interest from all over the world, all, all different countries, and it's really it's really nice to think that these people in small pockets all here, there, and Japan and Europe and America they're just listening to my music quietly with themselves it's just that's why, basically because I don't do gigs I make them as final products like like an artist with a painting so that's why sometimes I have three or four out a year because when you're creative you can't really stop the creative flow. you just think well people who like these albums seem to be wanting more so just keep going so it's just like yeah, it's become like an addictive creative project like you say it's just something i really enjoy doing
1: there's a, a huge back is it i mean something you've been doing your whole life just enjoying creating music
0: yeah i mean i've always i started playing uh self-taught you know when i were about seven just fighting around with guitars and playing along to black sabbath and oh, things yes. like that it's just something about and i used to have a tape like a four trap uh tape recorder when i was a teenager and i used to do demos and so basically it's all like that's all kind of practice before coming up to do this but I'd already been doing releasing books and doing audio books before I started Dodson and Frog but once I started doing that I realised that would that would be my main main outlet it's just the one thing that I always come back to every few months to do a new EP or an album it's just something that I really I really enjoy doing like I'm just recording this afternoon to be honest
1: oh excellent oh you'll have to let us know how it goes I will do so So uh, we'll we'll have a little listen to a little bit of Dodson and Fog. Uh, Before we come back and chat about other strings to your bow, comedy, audiobooks working with comedy heroes like Rick Mao and Nigel Planer, uh, we'll have a little listen to one of your tracks. Uh, So after the break, we'll be back with Chris Wade and we'll enjoy a bit of Dodson and Fog after this. This is Phoenix 98FM. That was Dodson and Fogg. We are going home. And joining me from the band is Chris Wade. Loving the folky vibes. Thank you, sir. I feel all folked up.
0: Like you want to dance naked in the garden.
1: Yeah, I, I was. I, I didn't want to tell you <laughs> to put you off. but I mean... <laughs> It's that kind of weather down here at the moment. <laughs> yeah,
0: i just do it trousers then so it's, you've still got
1: yeah. top layers on. So, you know, zoom, Zoom friendly. <laughs> <laughs> now Chris we were talking to my, my new mate Nigel Plainer earlier in the show and uh, he has officially confirmed for us beyond all doubt it is true you have written a new audiobook called Raymond's Room
0: it is indeed true dear boy
1: it is so tell us a bit about Raymond uh, and his room
0: yeah it's uh, whenever I do I kind of do fiction just on the side it's always like for for fun really and some people who I've got like I've did an audiobook a few years ago called Cuteness. I Sofa forgot it's quite Got like a cult following and stuff. So I kind of just every now and then I'll write a little story to, for someone to narrate or like I did one about five years ago with Matt King who plays Superhands in Peep Show. Oh, yeah. And so I've just kind of got like a few audio books out there. It's just basically this one's about a weird guy in his mid-thirties, which is kind of like me. <laughs> um, he's a writer, kind of like me. And he's, he's basically, he's, his wife's left him. My wife's not left me, but... <laughs> this is kind of like this guy who's living an isolated life, and he's he's not very really content, and he's a, dream, he's a dreamer, daydreams, and he's one minute he, he imagines he's got these powers that um, he can just change things with, with like a click of his finger, but of course it's not what it seems. If I if I if I explain the full story, it'll it'll kind of give away everything. But basically, it's about an isolated oddball who um, think, believes he's got these powers, but really has to, he has to come to like a conclusion with himself and look in the mirror and realise what he's doing, because one of his main hobbies is moving his furniture around like, <laughs> through the night to try and resort his life out, and all people can hear is like, he's he's always naked when he's moving the furniture around, so he's his flesh slapping against the wood and units, and he's always grunting like an animal, and basically he just lives like a complete oddball. But, you know, it's, like, it's, it's not all biographical, but I did live... I did once live in a flat on my own like that, but I wasn't quite (laughs) as strange as that. But basically... Never
1: moved your furniture naked. Yeah. Fully clothed. A
0: lot of the fiction comes from that kind of idea, really. Like, what could have happened to yourself if you hadn't have, you know, met the right person or straightened yourself out? Maybe it's just a fear kind of thing. It comes out in comedy.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, it's not necessarily autobiographical, but little bits of of you. You can decode Chris Wade if you listen to your audiobooks.
0: It's almost like... um, being with a psych- psychiatrist or something, doing writing, because sometimes you get things out, and you, Jesus, where did that come from? You know, <laughs> is that about me, or is that... But this is just a comedy, really. I mean, basically, I'm not going to try and make it out to be some kind of Freudian nightmare. It's just it's just a comedy, and I sent it to... I think I wrote in January, just before coronavirus and everything, and I sent it across to Nigel, and he, he said, yeah, I liked it, so he'd do it. He recorded it at home on his microphone and everything, so it's been a really nice way to do things, actually, because he just sent me the files through and then I did a little bit of mixing but to be honest he's such a good actor that I think I only had to edit like two minutes of like when he took a break or when he, his chair was squeaking because he's such a good <laughs> actor do you know what I mean? He's one of yeah. them really reliable actors who can just do whatever so yeah it's been really fun You
1: can trust him with your masterpiece mm. So as with your with your music the audiobook uh, back catalogue is pretty extensive uh, I think it's all on band camp for people to enjoy is that right?
0: Yeah, it's on Bandcamp, and I've got a website as well where CDs are available. Because a lot of my um, Dodson collectors always just buy them straight from the website, and I don't, you know they're on eBay and things like that. But best place if you just want downloads is Bandcamp. Because some of my stuff's on iTunes and Amazon and all that business, solos and but um, <laughs> Bandcamp's the best one because it's just straight, yeah, it's a straight like a straight connection between the person who's showing interest in it and the person who's made it. So it's like a nicer, I think it's a nicer relationship because. I've sent a lot of messages back, back and forth with a lot of collectors and I've i run in jokes with people. So it's, it doesn't really feel... It feels like certain people just know that I'm going to come up with more weird stuff and they're always up for the ride. It's, it's really nice. It's just so best place to get stuff is Bandcamp, really, if you're into downloads.
1: Yeah. When we were talking to Nigel, we did mention that working with you is nice because you just you, you don't work to a schedule. You put stuff out there when it's ready and when it suits you. I think that's one of the beauties of Bandcamp as well, isn't it? You can stick it out there. Yeah, I
0: mean, you've got to be careful because... I was talking to, we're interviewing um, a poet called Roger McGough last week, who's one of my favourite poets, and he he said, and I said, it's so easy to make things available now, and he said one of the one of the pitfalls is that you maybe not self-edit as much, and you might just put things out for the sake of it for putting it out, but yeah, the thing is, I work like every day on music and books, and so someone might write a book in so it took me six months, but they might only write an hour a day, whereas I, if I'm writing a book, I will write ten hours a day or. If I'm making an album, I'll record 10 hours a day. So then, the, the, for me, really three albums a year isn't that much because I've made double that music, but I've just I've left some of it, you know, put it in the scrap bin or whatever. So I forgot what the question was, but I'm kind of just wittering now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, we look forward to discovering all this, this, uh, this, this stuff in the scrap bin when, when you're <laughs> dead and gone. There'll be like about five the years worth of material and all will kind of <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> be like Van Gogh. it will be two thousand and fifty when
0: I'm like ninety years old or something. <laughs> I've released an expanded edition of my first album that no one's ever heard of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, <they're laughs> always, always the best ones <laughs> yeah definitely you mentioned poetry there uh, when Nigel was on the show earlier obviously uh, Nigel played I played Neil from The Young Ones you've also worked yeah. with the people's poet Rick Mayo on a previous yeah. audio book
0: god I mean that was just a brilliant experience because I think you're about 24, 25 it's about 10 years ago now so I just sent this um, I'd written this book about a year earlier Cutting the surf guide, which were based on some some uh, silly ideas I had while I was working in the stationery shop. Because when you when you're in a job, when you're bored, you you kind of doodle and you come up with different ideas and yeah. little stories. But I managed to piece it into like a novel. And one day I would just I think I was pedalling on an exercise bike, eating bran flakes as I did in <laughs> those days. Normal. But, yeah. yeah. At the same time, <laughs> and they just just good for the bowels and the the system, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just and, keep. Um, Consistently <laughs> fueling and expending the energy at the same time. Yeah,
0: at the same time, it says times. You see, so. <laughs> um, I yeah, so I contacted Rick's Rick Males' agent just on a, just a thought, like a little a whim, just came to my mind because when I wrote the novel, I had I had his voice in my mind as like a guide, you know, like the way he said things.
1: Oh, Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: There's a little guide I could read. Or if I ever did an audiobook, I'd soon do it. But you know, I never thought it would ever be a possibility because, you know, I were a skin writer and everything, so. But I sent them this um, script and they got back and they said, oh, he might, he might read it if he gets time, you know, he's got quite a lot on. So <laughs> within a week they'd rung back and said, oh, he's read it three times, he really wants to do it, He's, you know, he's got to do it. So just give him, you know, royalties or whatever, wh- whatever you can do. He, just, he has to do the book. He feels like he wrote it for him. So it was really quite a weird kind oh, of thing. So I met up with him in London first in his, in his agency. Yeah now closed down suddenly, but I, I met him in there and um, I, heard him, <laughs> I heard him coming in and he goes, where is he? And when he's in there, and he goes, first thing he said, well, you're, you're effing early. <laughs> and I, <listened> and he, <laughs> I, I can't say a lot of things he said, but you know, if you're a fan of Rick mail, you know that it, it could be quite foul mouth.
1: Yes, yeah, the odd, the odd, um, um, he
0: came in with, he had pages and pages of notes where he'd, every character, he had uh, ideas for each character and so I do, so it were me and him in this room on his own and he'd say like, want me to do this guy in the style of flash art or um you know kevin turvey or so he'd, he'd stand up and do a little bit of improvisation as the character that i'd written and so i'd say oh i think i like the second one actually so we're kind of like he's oh, got fantastic. like a gallery of voices of his own yeah so he'd like work so i do this a bit like Rig. so he'd do the, the the wr's and all that kind of stuff and um, yeah we just rec- so about a month after that we recorded it in i think it was three days. In, this, in the same studio re, where I recorded the monologues with Nigel in Shepherd's Bush oh, wow. over three mm. days, and it was just, just, to, just to hear an actor like that because I couldn't see him because it was a small. We didn't actually have it was such a cheap studio there were no vocal booth. <laughs> so what there were is they were a cupboard. <laughs> so I kind of oh, well. we, put him, we put him in this chair we shoved him in the cupboard. Then he just shut the door. It was so hot, he was so hot in there that it, you know, at first he went, I don't know if I can do this. Then he but then he got into it and he started. I mean, six hours a day doing in this cupboard, doing <laughs> doing all these voices and only stopping to eat bananas and
1: stuff. Oh my god! A bit like you did in experience.
0: Was it was just uh, you know it was weird because when people were in the room, it'd go. Oh, 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 what, what, what's the matter with you? Oh, and all that kind of stuff. Then <laughs> as soon as everyone left, it'd be like quite serious and you know, talking about things. Yeah. And as soon as someone come back in and goes, oh, I was just looking at my knob. You know <laughs> that kind of stuff. So. It switch off for a little bit. It was really strange. I mean, I, I can't, I can't pretend that I knew him very well, but for for this working experience, I saw a really great actor. Like people thinking of him as a, a comedian, a, a wild, you know, outrageous figure and all this, but he was just a very, very good actor. You could see how he just slipped in to one role, who, uh, and then into another one, yeah. changing voices and all that. just incredible. Yeah. Just a great experience to just to observe a real actor at, at work, and yeah. then. And then about four months later, when it got released, we did a little interview for, I do a magazine called Hound Dog sometimes. And we did like an interview for that, and it was in character for the interview, so it was quite, it was quite alarming. <laughs> <laughs> because five seconds before, he goes, all right Chris, yeah, we'll do this, yeah. And then go, he goes, you ask me a f- question, and I'll, what? And then he starts going, oh, you're useless about as good a journal as Adolf Hitler ooh, ooh, and it's a really aggressive but then he <laughs> he was just, just doing the character like Jesus where's this come from <laughs> but um, yeah so you know, we stayed in touch for a bit and we were going to do some of our audio books and stuff but he ended up being in um, Man Down with um, Greg Davis and all that kind of stuff
1: yes yeah yeah
0: and then he sadly died so we didn't really do any more work together but we've got this lovely audio book and that interview, which I've got, I've still got the audio recording of the interview. So that that kind of things that
1: the gems. To treasure.
0: Basically, it's just it's one of them things because when you grow up and you've got a comedy idol, your whole family goes, "Oh, Rick, my old, oh, great." They yeah. were like it was like the you felt like he was your comedian. You know what I mean? It was like the guy that you grew up watching that always made you laugh, and, and then to meet him and get to know him a little bit and work with him, it, it was just really good experience. And that's what got me started thinking, well, maybe I can do creative stuff as a job. I can maybe I can. Yeah, you know, go from here and see where I end up.
1: Yeah, it's interesting here. I, I, when I listened to to a "Cutie in the Guard, I was I was sort of picturing you writing it with Rick Mound in mind. I can't imagine anyone else reading it, hearing yeah. you just change seamlessly into one accent to another and just exploding all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: That's sort of weird because it was written with his voice like as a guide. Because I was thinking, well, you got to have a you got to have a voice in your mind. So everything was like really his voice. And when he when he met me, he says it feels like you've written it for me. <laughs> this is what I kind of did. I don't think you really <laughs> if, cause he really realized, because he was just himself, but for me, it was like, it, it very surreal to think, wait a minute, it's that, you know, 10 minutes ago, that I didn't even, <laughs> when they said yes, it was Like I had no idea that it were going to, I didn't even think about how we we're going to do it realistically, because I'm living in Leeds and everything, and he, he lives in, well, he lived in London. Yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those things that just, that just came together at that minute, and if I had to say, Two or three months later, if I'd have contacted him, I said, oh, "I'm too busy," or "I'm not." You know, it was just one of them things, like fate, really. I think.
1: Just came to the right time, right man, right place, right time. Yeah,
0: because it just them kind of things just start happening. You know, like you've, you're just a guy with no money. who's just, was just quit his job and yeah. you work with this idol of from, from from your childhood, who's who I thought were a really famous icon of comedy. Yeah, you, know, you, you just, them then kind of things just start happening, like out of the blue, it's bizarre.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have, we have a, a mutual friend a uh, Very Small World joining us in a little while on the show to do our film reviews, uh, Mark Searby, uh, who's written a book called Rick Mao, Comedy Genius, and he tells me uh, that you have a great story about something that happened in the recording studio with Rick. I'm
0: trying to think what, what funny story might have happened. I mean, there were that many of them. <laughs> there's some things I can't repeat, really. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's ridiculous stuff, but I'm trying, I'm trying to think. Oh it was quite a funny story when we used to, after the after the recording sessions we used to go to this little cafe round corner. Yeah. And it was like the windiest day you could ever you could ever imagine. And the wind we were sat in the window of the cafe having a cake. 'Cause he we were they we were fretting about whether to have a have a piece of cake, because he we were doing a photo shoot for his World Cup song
1: that was oh, coming out on it. Didn't want it. And didn't I wanna...
0: Oh on, just have a slice of cake, I'll get you a, I'll get you a slice of cake. You would go, No, I don't know, I'm trying to I'm like Oh come on, just get him a slice of cake. <laughs> <laughs> t- uh, treat yourself and this um, this w- this glass because it was like a full window like the full glass building yeah. and they were just shaking in this wind and he's going frigging hell he's saying, I remember him saying um, God, this, I what's going to happen here so that window's going to collapse it's going to slice me to ribbons and he says and I'm going to die and this is going to be the last thing I ever do and he says you're not going to be, become a millionaire on, on, my, on the back <laughs> of my name; they are going to be sliced with bits of all this glass this- I just remember stuff like that you know just funny little memories and yeah That stuff he used
1: to do must have been so surreal as a as a fan to work with him
0: oh yeah so so weird yeah it's just really weird i always remember like i got really ill i think he brought me a prawn sandwich and it was it was it must have been off or something because <laughs> i was recording for three days and i can't, oh, describe. No. I can't describe what was wrong with me, but it but it's pretty it's pretty grim it got nasty um he, 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 went, he kept going out and buying me like sips and stuff. It we was like, like, really caring of him. Like, hey, have a have a banana and a limb sip <laughs> 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 It was like, really weird. It, Rick- it was just he, he bought dinners and everything. It was just it was it wasn't. It wasn't like work. It was like as if I'd been his friend or something. We were just fighting around together. It just felt like that, really.
1: So you're working your way through the cast of the young ones in. We've had Nigel Planer, Rick's banana. yeah I'm
0: gonna try. Yeah. I mean. Or maybe Comic Strip Presents But that might be hard Because there's about 50 cast members of that
1: (laughs) Get busy Need (laughs) a few more books
0: (laughs) Yeah No I did interview uh, Adrian Edmondson once For that magazine Years ago
1: Oh fantastic
0: Uh, Kind of That's that's three There's just Christopher Ryan now
1: Yeah Just Him and Track him down You'll find him somewhere surely Yeah I'll hunt him down Right Write a book with him in mind And then Tell him He's he's the odd one out And then he'll want to He'll want to get involved
0: yeah, he don't, <laughs> he don't. He don't like me. Actually, <laughs> no? I was named after him because I'm called. My name's Christopher Ryan Wade. My mum and dad liked the young ones and they like the, the sound of his name, so that's why I'm called Christopher Ryan
1: Wade. Oh wow! Oh, you're <laughs> to to after him. So, from a writer's perspective, Chris, when you're you're sitting down and creating your stories, uh, often it feels like uh, it, we're going off on a, a huge tangent, and I think this is a, a real fun element of your stories. Uh, do you write the whole thing, start to finish, or do you carefully kind of cut in these little moments of of off-pieced extra detail? Um, yeah, well,
0: I kind of I, I have the idea for the start, and I think maybe this could happen, and then I kind of just have feverish. Sessions where I won't do anything else, and I'll just work on the story, and then um, then I'll go over it a few times and just, just change change. Most of it's written in the in the first go because it's kind of like what Jack Kerouac. Not not compare myself to Jack Kerouac, for God's sake. But where it, it was that stream of consciousness stream of consciousness kind of writing where you just you don't stop yourself, you don't censor yourself. But then yeah. afterwards, you think, women well, I can't put that in. No way." <laughs> so most of it comes out in the first in the first run and you just kind of tweak it a little bit later but it's just it's more like a bit of fun for me it's just something I really enjoy i would never try to become a writer uh, a fiction writer as a job because I just so I've never I've never sent work to a to a publisher a record label anything I've, I've always released everything myself so
1: oh wow Truly when you think
0: indie. of getting into being a fiction writer as a job and you've got to think about getting a literary agent and sending it to a publisher, and that's the, that's the ball. Like, cause if you're just a creative person, you just want to keep doing stuff and exploring new areas. Like I started writing, uh, making documentaries two years ago, and, uh, just as a bit of fun. You know, I made one about a guy called George Melley, who used to be a surrealist jazz singer. And it, the reactions were really good, so I made one about Orson Wells, and they put that on TV on a channel called Talking Pictures, which is like a, a retro film channel and stuff. Oh, wow. But if the thing is, if you if if you go with companies, you approach a production company. Oh, I want to make a documentary about Arsenal. Awesome well, and they'll go, well, we don't really have the budget for you. Or we don't know who you are. There's no, there's yeah. no chance. It's, it, it, I just think sometimes releasing stuff. If you're a creative person and you're not looking for really like a ridiculous return on what you're doing, like you feel yeah, you you're going to get rich or whatever. Basically, if you're creative, I just think doing things for yourself and just enjoying it and just seeing where it takes you. And if something do not do as well as something else. It doesn't really matter because it's just about, I think, just about giving it a go. Because I, I never wanted to be a person who, when I was older, I said, "Oh, I wish, you know, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd tried that." Or, I just, I just thought, well, if I sometimes make a bit of a mess <laughs> of myself, if I, if I do something that's misguided, or at least I'm trying or I'm experimenting. Or, so that's what. With, with the writing, it's just like that's what it is. It's like fun and just seeing what happens and sending it to different people to see if they want to do an audiobook and then you've got the experience of that and it's just it's just like a one big collective bouncy
1: castle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I can't think of a better analogy but you know that's what it feels like anyway.
1: That's genuinely the best advice I've heard for uh, up and coming artists just do it because you enjoy it and get it out there and don't worry you don't need approval from anyone else or any publishers or record labels or just do what you enjoy and uh, give it to the world. Yeah because
0: it's a lot of people say like self-publishing, like they'll, they'll call it vanity publishing, or they'll say, "Oh, you just released music yourself, or oh, you can't be that good." But at the end of the day, if people, if some people are interested in it, and people that your family are just going, "Oh yeah, it's good, yeah," and backing away, like, "Yeah, keep going." But <laughs> yeah. If, if if you find some people interested and in that you get positive feedback, you must be doing something okay. I mean, well, that's the that's the only way you can think because if if you start thinking, well if they don't like it, or I should make it for this person. Or, you just gotta do things for yourself, but then also make sure that you're not deluding yourself. You Because know? I watched an interview with um, John Cleese the other day and he says, him and a friend did a study about, um, say if you you think you're a good artist but you're not. He says, the skills you need to be a good artist are the exact are exact same skills that you need to know that you're good, <laughs> so <laughs> if you're not good, you won't know that you're not good because you don't have the skills to recognise that you're not good. So it's like, I don't know what it means. It's like you've got to think that way. Think, well, it's like, well, it sounds alright, so or it, it reads okay, so it must be it must be okay because I've not, I've not had many complaints. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> that's my advice to people who, who want to maybe explore releasing things themselves. Get it out there. Yeah, it's a lot of waffle, but you have to edit all this. But I'm kind of just waffling.
1: Nah, this is gold. This is gold dust. <laughs>
0: priceless
1: <laughs> <laughs> so your your latest book is out now um, Raymond's Room I'm not really big into audiobooks but this the way this is written uh, coupled with a style of narration from, from Nigel and from Rick in uh, in previous ones I've listened to really is worlds apart from most people what, what they would think is an audiobook uh, they're going to you have to get it and have a listen. Uh, it's funny, you said the joke. It's relatable, imaginative. Uh, I really would encourage people to go and find it. Where, remind us, can people enjoy enjoy your stuff?
0: Um, well, if you put in, um, if you just go to Google and put in Wisdom Twins Books uh, Bandcamp, I'll just go to the Wisdom Twins Books website because that's my com- that's my company. Well, company, it's yeah, you know, it's me and the cat basically. But <laughs> it sounds more professional as company.
1: The cat's a uh, uh, lazy one as well, isn't it? I mean, it's basically... yeah. <laughs> So that's
0: where everything is so there's you know there's books and there's audio books music documentaries art, or even some weird art films but, you know I won't talk about those they're not, <laughs> they're not blue so don't worry but... <laughs> so everything's basically on the Wisdom Twins books website and then there's the band camp, Wisdom Twins Bandcamp for all the downloads and the albums and I regularly have sales on there for like £2 and every, every album you can get an album for a pound if you fancy just a little bargain and things like that you just just keep it fun and you know, not pressurizing people and ticking their emails down, and yeah, you must buy this. It's just kind of giving giving people the options to have a little listen for free if they feel like it. Just you know, yeah, kind of relax really.
1: So, wisdom twins, people can search for, and you're on Bandcamp for all the, the music and the audiobooks as well.
0: Well, the, the wisdom twins comes from Keanu Safragan because they were Rick's favorite characters in in the Rick's <laughs> favorite characters in the audiobook because he. He did a good, really good reading. I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the clip on YouTube of, of him doing the wisdom twins.
1: Oh, I've not seen him read it. Is, is he on YouTube reading the the book?
0: He's not. He's not, he's not. on it. But I've put a clip of it on there, and I've put some outtakes and stuff. But oh, okay, the, the guy was the guys. With twins. That's where I, I got to name my um my company after them two guys because they're so vile. <laughs> <laughs> he loved he loved voice and he just said they're so horrible he
1: said they're, so, they're so cruel <laughs> I think he had a bit of a cruel streak for his humour really <laughs> oh definitely definitely yeah Chris Wade thanks for chatting to us thank you very much and thank you for sharing your work with us uh, before you go I forgot to ask you uh, Nigel Plater said that Rick Mao was the measuring stick of bastardness just now uh, you've met him <laughs> and you've met Mark Searby who's on in a minute whereabouts is Mark on that scale
0: a bastard, but I've never met him, but on the phone he sounds like quite a bastard. <laughs> uh, he's, he's like 1.5 on the bastard scale, probably.
1: 1.5 bastard. <laughs> yeah. He's we'll, quite a nice guy. We'll put that to him in a minute. <laughs> Cheers, Chris. Thank you, sir. Phoenix 98 FM. Go to phoenixfm.com and listen to online guest interviews. Check the events for your area and listen to great radio online.